Merry Christmas. As we know this is the Christmas is still going on. Why we still have Christmas decorations up. Today would be roughly the sixth day of Christmas. And I just found out recently that because it's the sixth day of Christmas, we should be or I should be expecting or somebody should be expecting six geese a laying. Let me know if you, you get that in the mail or something like that. So today we Every and this is every octave of, of, of Christmas. This is every every Sunday after Christmas. We celebrate the Holy Family, the feast day of the Holy Family. And usually, usually this is a very entertaining feast day because it's usually accompanied with a very polemical, very uh, very I don't know how to say it, um, very controversial reading from uh, from Saint Paul to the Colossians, where he says. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. Husbands, have no bitterness to your wives. Children, be obedient to your parents. And then to kind of add to the controversy, we have one of the most confusing, in my opinion, mysteries in the scriptures. A mystery in which, really a true mystery, in which Jesus almost seems to kind of quasi, maybe a little bit disobey his parents. Maybe kind of go on his own and not really consult or talk with his mom or dad. And I honestly, as a kid, always thought Jesus was pretty smart by doing this. I mean, let me be honest. Look, if I was gone from my parents for three days and they couldn't find me, I better be in the church praying. <laughs> That'd be my only shot. <laughs> I'd be dead otherwise. So I think, I think there's a lot to, to this, this whole scripture passage and all these scripture passages that really show us what exactly it means to be a holy family. What exactly means to be a good father? What exactly means to be a good mother? And what exactly it means to be a good child? And so let's exfoliate that. First person I want to focus on is the person of by far, and he would admit it, least importance. The one who wasn't immaculately conceived. The one who wasn't the mother of God. The one who wasn't spoken to by angel. There was no annunciation by him. And there were very, there's very few even scripture passages about him. Saint Joseph. St. Joseph, throughout the scriptures, not the gospel, is a phenomenally silent figure. He doesn't, he doesn't really speak. In fact, the only time we know him to speak is whenever he gave Jesus his name. And the only time we know him to write anything is whenever he wrote the names of his family at the census in Bethlehem. Very, very silent figure. And throughout the scriptures, if there's anybody speaking in the Holy Family... It's either Mary or it's Jesus. It's not Joseph. And yet, even though Joseph is a phenomenally silent figure, there's no question that he's the one who ultimately makes the decisions in the family. I'll give you an example. It was Joseph who initiated and went to Mary and took Mary into his home. Mary, being the only perfect human ever to walk the face of the earth, probably could have gotten away with going up to Joseph and saying, Hey, take me as your wife. Don't abandon me. Don't divorce me. What's wrong with you? Could have easily said that. She probably would have been right. But she didn't do that. No, she, she deferred to Joseph to make the decision. Another example is that Joseph was the one who led his family to go and take the census. Mary could have been like, well, we're not going to Bethlehem. Because guess what? You ain't the father of this child. Mm. But she didn't say that because that's not how Mary would ever talk. (laughs) 
But that's how, that's not what went on. They went, they followed Joseph. They went to the census. They took the census there. The other thing that Joseph did was that Joseph was the one who led his family from Nazareth, from, from, excuse me, from Bethlehem to Egypt to avoid Herod. That was Joseph who ultimately did that. It was Joseph's initiative and it was Joseph's call. It's very clear that while Joseph may have been a silent figure in the family, that did not necessarily mean he was a passive figure. It didn't mean that he checked out. It didn't mean that he just vanished. It didn't mean he went off to Spaceland or just drank a whole bunch of beer and watched TV all the time. That wasn't Joseph. Joseph was silent not because he was passive, but because he was contemplative. Because he was focused on listening to his family, but more importantly, to the Lord. Joseph was a man who listened to God. And in doing that, he teaches every single one of us fathers in this room what it means to be a good father. What he shows us is that if we want to be good fathers, it's not about being tyrants. It's not about making decisions based off our own autocratic opinions. If we really want to be good fathers, it's going to be a matter of listening. It's going to be a matter of listening to our families, listening to the Lord. And the only way for us to do that is to imitate St. Joseph and be silent. Because that's how God speaks. God speaks in silence. He was quiet for the dream. He was silent. And so that's how he could hear the voice of the Lord. Now the next person that that is involved in the Holy Family is second most important. But amongst humanity by far the most important. And that's Mary. Mary throughout the scriptures does speak. Mary, Mary has a part to play. A very active part. She speaks to the angel. She speaks praise to God. And she's the one in this scripture passage which spe- who speaks to her son. And in speaking to her son, she does something that basically is one of the first jobs of the mother. She links the child to the father. The child to the father. The only way that, that children are ever comfortable around men in general is because the mother shows the child that this man, this, 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 this strange alien type figure with the deep, the, with the deep voice and you know, with, with funny hairs on his face, is a friendly figure. It's because the child can trust the mother because the mother was the one who held it, the mother was the one who grew the child, the, one was, the mother was the one who bore the child. It's because the mother trusts the father that the child can have any sort of relationship with his father. That's one of the key roles of mother, to link father and son. But there's another thing that, that Mary does that I think is very telling and very, very indicative of a lot of mothers. Mary has very clear concerns. She kind of, I don't want to say worries, but she has very much, she, she's thinking about the safety of her son. She's concerned. And one of the things that Mary does in this passage, which I think is indicative not just to mothers, but to all of us, is that she voices her concern. Now, she doesn't voice her concern to Joseph necessarily. She doesn't like, isn't, isn't constantly like in, her, in his face or anything like that. But what she does do is she voices her concern to her children. Which I think is important. I think it's very important for mothers to tell their children whenever they're out of line. It's key. 
It's kind of what Mary kind of thought she was doing. She was in for a surprise, but it seems like that's what she was thinking she was doing. But one of the things that's interesting is that in voicing her concern to Jesus, she also plays a double role. Because Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And what she's doing in whenever she's voicing her concerns to Jesus is she's also voicing her concern to the Lord. Teaching wives and mothers out there a key ingredient to holiness. Which means to take it, if we're concerned, we need to take those problems to the Lord. We can't expect husbands to fix it all. We can't expect children to change everything. But we can expect God to hear our prayers. But the facts of the matter is, is many of the times whenever God answers, it's a lot like the times here in the scripture passage. Whenever God answered Mary, whenever Jesus answered Mary, what did he say? He said, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And what was Mary's and Joseph's reaction? They did not understand what he said to them. Guys, that's prayer. That's prayer. How many times do we go to God in our concern, in our worry, and we get an answer that we don't understand? Why is that the answer we're getting? Why is this problem not being solved now? Why Why isn't the Lord intervening now? And so the answer, the response, isn't to get mad at the Lord or lose the faith or, you know, abandon abandon God altogether. The response is to do what Mary did. His mother kept all these things in her heart. To contemplate. To contemplate these truths. To contemplate what God gives us. But there's something else that Mary teaches us throughout the scriptures. Something that I cannot stop, help but be amazed at. There's no question, no question, that Mary is greater than Joseph, morally speaking and humanly speaking. She was immaculately conceived. She was the mother of God. The Holy Spirit came upon her. She was the vessel that would be called blessed for all generations. She is the new Ark of the Covenant. There's no question that she has superiority, if you will, over Joseph. And yet, and yet, she defers to him. I cannot imagine the own kind of bearing, the own kind of the, 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 the cross that must have been to defer to somebody who knows that he's weaker, who knows that he's lower, who knows that he's not on her level. And I find this to be a very, a very common reality, not just in the Holy Family, but also in many families. In many families, we see the mother going to daily mass, praying rosaries all the time, and the father maybe just going to Sunday mass. Or maybe even less than that, tragically. And yet, that's the exact relationship that Mary has with Joseph. And yet Mary defers to Joseph. Kind of, in a sense, she was, if you will, subordinate to her husband. And I want, you know, I question that a lot. Why is that? Why is it that she continued to defer to Joseph? And the only answer that I can ever come up with It's because she loved him. It's because she really, actually loved Joseph. And she knew, she knew that if she was to love Joseph, she would need to give him a place in her life and in her family's life. Not because she was needy, not because she was codependent, but because she loved him. And she knew that if Joseph were to have a place, he needed to make space in the family for him. And that was to be the decision maker. Very, very inspiring, and yet very difficult at the same time. 
But I think we could all look to Mary as a wonderful example to show us that. How to be a good wife, how to be a good mother. But finally, and this is the, the, by far the most mysterious one, the child, Jesus Christ. Now we mentioned earlier, Jesus disappears for three days. It's not found until the third day. It's all a bit of a mystery. I honestly don't, I mean, I don't entirely understand it. And yet, maybe that's the point. Maybe that's exactly it. St. Ambrose said that in the same way that Jesus Christ wasn't found in the temple until the third day, Jesus Christ wasn't found risen from the dead until the third day. What we're looking at here, whenever we talk about the fifth joyful mystery of the rosary, is we're talking about a prefigurement of the resurrection. A prefigurement of the death and resurrection of Christ. Both things, his the finding of the temple and the cross, are completely incomprehensible. How can God die? How can a child seem to disobey his parents? And the answer is because, because Jesus Christ is first and foremost a son of God, even before he is a son of Joseph. But there's something else that I find interesting, too, about Jesus in this scripture. And this is something that I'm going to address to you children out there. This one's for you guys. All right? Now, I was a kid once. In fact, most people still think I'm a kid. But I know what it's like. And I know, especially in my childhood days, that I was smarter than my parents. All right? I knew all the answers. I had it figured out. All right? And I knew that I was superior to them. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. Looking back, I don't know what, I was, I don't know what grounds I had for that belief. But I knew it deep down inside. Guys, so was Jesus. Jesus was actually superior to his parents. There's no doubt. Even from a baby, Jesus was God. He was the Lord. He had all of divine wisdom right there at his fingertips. Right there. And yet, Jesus chose to be obedient to his father and his mother. It says it right here. He went down with them with his father and his mother, came to Nazareth, Nazareth and was obedient to them. And in that obedience, what did Jesus do? He advanced in wisdom and age and favor before God and man. Before God and man. I see this all the time, especially as a priest at, at a student center. It so often happens that I'll have, I'll have a student who I think could be great who could be amazing, who can evangelize the world, but because of their lack of obedience, because their insistence to do things their own way, we can't ever do anything together. We can't ever, we, I, we, there's just no progress. There's a lack of growth and wisdom. It's like, it's like I'm watching a person who's purposely stunted their own growth because they think they know better. They think they're better, they're, they're, they're better off as opposed to learning obedience and working with all of us. A great example of this too, I mean, is, is the military. I mean, imagine if, if, if the, the lowest ranks of the military refused to be obedient to the higher ranks. It would cease to function. It's the same thing within the family. If we want the family to work, it has to hinge on obedience, which is really, really hard. Actually, that's the whole, that was the, the first sin was disobedience. It's hard to be obedient. It means crucifying our free will. And yet that's exactly what Jesus teaches us to do. Is that even though we might have the right answer, 
even though we might be superior to those in charge of us. The fact of the matter is, that's not our role. Our role isn't to make the decisions. Our role isn't to link father and mother. Our role isn't to necessarily, to necessarily be the mother or the family in, the, in this situation. Our role is to be the child. And so, my dear friends, may we learn more and more from the Holy Family. May we learn to be sons and daughters from the example of Christ. May those of us who are mothers and wives learn from Mary. May those of us who are fathers and husbands learn from Joseph. And may may we all join in the Holy Family on that quest for sanctity and for peace. Amen.